Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Fantasy. Today's episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.fan. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show, and thank you for tuning in live to our YouTube channel. As always, you can catch us Monday through Friday at 10 p.m. Eastern. You can also find us on bellyup.tv if you don't want to use the YouTube channel, or if you missed an episode, that's okay. Just download the Foxy Network app, look under the Belly Up Sports TV category on your TV devices like LG, Samsung, Roku, and Amazon Fire TV. Or just stay up to date with the show while you're on the go by downloading us on your favorite podcast app because we're widely available everywhere. And if you can give us a five-star review, that greatly helps us out. I'm your host, Dan Mater, for the evening, pretty much every evening, just about. 
five days a week throughout the football season. It's a lot of fun. And because it's Tuesday night, it's time for a primetime recap. Our waiver saviors at the end of the show. And of course, your favorite segment, the heroes and zeros. My right and wrong calls coming out of week four. It's time to get better. I put a question out there on social media at Billy of MDFF show, by the way, you should make sure you give us a follow because we always put player news notifications out there and we're constantly trying to engage the fans and talk about fantasy football and just kind of get a, a barometer of where people are right now. And I put this question out that I said, Hey, if you're one in three right now or oh and four, what is your mindset? What's your demeanor? Especially obviously specific to who redraft leagues. And I got back a lot of interesting responses, as you would you would imagine. You have some people who are trying to be the smart analyst type guy and say, "Don't panic. You can you can probably go seven and seven and still make the playoffs potentially, depending upon how your league is set up." But you know, we have the fourteen games now, so if you think you have a good team, we got others, of course, on the other side of the spectrum. Blow it all up, trade what you can. Try to mix and match, play money ball the rest of the way. I do think the answer is somewhere in between. Like, I don't think you can just keep riding the ship, depending upon what your team is. Like, if you just have a, a whole string of bad luck, but you have really good players, then, then maybe you'd want to. But if you're 0 4 right now, you are, make no mistake about it, in playoff mode. Because even if you can go 7 and 7 to make your playoffs in your league, you have such a smaller window, a smaller margin of error available to you now compared to everybody else. So you got to change something. You got to take a different approach somewhere. It can't all just be about luck. Now, what I will say is that we're still two weeks away from bye week starting to kick in. Once that starts to happen, that's when the cream rises to the top as far as fantasy managers go because that's when guys whether you're dealing with injuries or not, actually have to start making some roster decisions and guys of who to drop. Because you're not just going to be able to sit there and keep everybody because you actually might need players to plug and play that particular week. So when the buys start to hit and you're also dealing with that on top of injuries, that's really where the whole saying of like the fantasy football season is a marathon, not a sprint. Because you got to be able to manage those. You got to have the depth. You got to have the wherewithal and the waiver wire to get what you need. So there's still room to make a comeback if you're a good, smart fantasy manager. And a good place to start is really listening to us on the MD's Fantasy Football Show and subscribing to our YouTube channel. So a long plug there, but just something, a little word of advice I wanted to get out there before we start diving in to today's show. But let's go ahead and start off with our primetime quarterback thumpers. Quarterback thumpers. This is Sparta! <laughs> Tom Brady's back, baby. Tom Brady, 385 yards and three touchdowns. We'll talk more about this game when we get into the extra credit game notes in the next segment. But it was good to see him back, back to fantasy relevancy. Anybody who was questioning Tom Brady dared to call him old. Once again, was proven wrong like you always have been whenever we've called Tom Brady old. I knew he was going to come. He got his weapons back, and therefore he went off. We'll have a lot more to dive into in just a second, but Tom Brady, quarterback thumper of the week, not just for the primetime matchups, but really a quarterback thumper of week four in general. 
And then, of course, the number two was just on the other side of the ball for the primetime matchups. It was Patrick Mahomes. 249 yards, three touchdowns, a pick. Actually tacked on 34 yards rushing, something he doesn't always do. It was good to see him get off the snide as well. Somebody else who, since week one, people have been kind of disappointed by Patrick Mahomes, and for good reason. But this shows you, like, look, even though they're still trying to figure out an alpha wide receiver, Mahomes is just good enough to get the job done, and that's why he's a QB1 and should be started as such every single week without questioning. Let's talk about our bummer of the week. Quarterback bummers. So our quarterback bummer for the primetime games was Matthew Stafford. I mean, look, it's not going to be Jimmy G. You're not starting Jimmy G in in one-man, 12-man leagues anyway. But Stafford is somebody that people drafted to be their guy for the season. And maybe they hadn't moved off of him just yet. Now, I didn't have him inside my top 12. I had him at 15. So I was pretty much telling you, I didn't really want to play Stafford unless I absolutely had to. It was a bad matchup for him. And frankly, going forward, he just might have to be matchup dependent. We'll talk about more of that later. But 254 yards, does he get a touchdown, one pick. Just not the production you're looking for from a guy that you drafted to be a top 12 quarterback maybe even top 10 in some leagues. Let's get our running back thumper in the primetime games. Running back thumpers. This is Sparta! Clyde Edwards-Alaire, no surprise there. 92 yards on the ground and got two touchdowns. One on the ground, one through the air. Now, the receiving touchdown he got, that was the only reception he got all, all, all day. He got one catch, two yards, and got the touchdown. Lit it up. He continues to somehow produce these big fantasy numbers, although this game, his volume was a little bit more up to snuff, but more on that later. For now, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, another thumper performance out of him in week four. Running back bummers. The Rams running back. So the Rams offensively in general had a rough day, but the Rams running backs... Darrell Henderson, Cam Akers, if you're leaning on one of these guys because you had to. And look, you didn't really want to have to play him against San Francisco. I didn't have either one of these guys as top 24 plays. So it was subjective if you actually wanted to have them in your starting lineup. But they were, at least Cam Akers was, in my low end 36. So contemplating the conversation about a flex play position. But if you had Alvin Kamara, you know, you had to make a a last minute decision. You had some other guys got nicked up here heading into the week you might have thought, okay, I want to lean on Cam Akers because Henderson hadn't been much of a factor as of late. Akers looked like kind of took back the starting job. So maybe you had to go that route even though you didn't want to in the matchup. It just was really, really bad, really brutal. That offensive line is dominated so easily. The Rams running backs, oof, it was really a bummer today. Wide receiver thumpers. This is Sparta! We did have a few receivers uh, who went off. So Mike Evans, he goes off two touchdowns, 10 targets, eight receptions, 103 yards. Looking very good and spry off of his suspension. And remember, he he dealt with a hamstring injury in the beginning of the year. In a weird way, this suspension maybe got him to 100% healthy heading into this week's matchup. That was one of the things I was thinking about. So Mike Evans got going here in a big way for you. You're definitely, certainly happy about that. Our other thumper, 
Debo Samuel, Monday night action, seven targets, six receptions, 115 yards, and a touchdown. And if nothing else, he was going to make my thumper list just based on the fact of that 57-yard touchdown catch and run that was absolutely insane out of Debo Samuel. I can't wait to talk about him a little bit in the next segment, but Debo Samuel coming through in a big way, hasn't had really a big ceiling game to this point, was able to get one for you here on Monday night. And our last thumper, you knew he was going to be on the list because it just is every week, and that was Cooper Cup. 14 receptions, 122 yards on 19 targets. Doesn't score in this game. Cooper Cup is just absolutely ridiculous. No matter what is going on with the Rams, what's going on with Stafford, the offensive line, whatever whatever the case may be, Cooper Cup just finds a way to produce as an elite-level wide receiver one. It's insane what this guy has been able to do and how consistent he's been able to do it. Let's move in to our tight ends. Tight end thumpers. This is Sparta! So I'll talk about the tight end thumpers since I already hit the drop, but we do got to backtrack and go to the wide receiver bummers for a minute. That's my my mistake. But our only tight end thumper is Travis Kelsey. As long as there's no receivers, you know, emerging, and even if one does, the constant we know in that Chiefs offense, the passing attack, is that Travis Kelsey is going to have to be leaned on as number one passing target. And he's going to have more games like this than not. Ten targets, nine receptions, 92 yards, a touchdown. Travis Kelsey is doing what you drafted him to do. But let's back up for a second go to our wide receiver bummers. Wide receiver bummers. So, Allen Robinson... No surprise, our number one wide receiver bummer. Six targets, two receptions, only seven yards in a game in which San, uh, the Rams were trailing San Francisco all game long. If you are definitively in 10-man or less leagues, prepare to be flushed. Flush him down the toilet. There's no reason to even own him. In 12-man leagues, I could understand wanting to hold on. Might not have better options. He's still playing a lot. He's still on the field on what's supposed to be a good passing attack offense, although I think at this point, outside of Cooper Cup, we might have to start to question that a little bit. But I don't know. Even in 12-man leagues, I don't know when the next time is you're going to feel comfortable starting him until he shows you something, until the Rams show that they're willing to get somebody else involved in the receiving group. So definitely something to think about there. But Allen Robinson, oh, maybe another dud year in a row in store for him. The other bummer, kind of, is Brandon Ayuk. Not a full throttle bummer. He still had four receptions. It just It only went for 37 yards. And that seems to be a pretty consistent stat line for him for the first four weeks of the season. And that's why it's, it's kind of a bummer. We thought maybe, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo was starting to favor Ayuk a little bit in the passing game. Thought he'd get more action in that, especially with George Kittle didn't do anything. Although, spoiler alert. But not really the performance you're looking for. A guy I did have in my top 36 heading into the week. Tight end bummers. All right, tight end bummer for the primetime games, of course, was George Kittle. And I, I talked about this going into the week. Like, I was concerned about him. I say, if you have George Kittle, you have to start George Kittle because, you know, you can't make him anything any lower than a mid-level tight end one. He's just he's just too good. 
He's too good. The problem is he's also probably the most widely inconsistent of all the top, you know, top tier tight ends, the top five guys that you normally think about. And I brought the extra caveat of we have a long history of when Trent Williams misses games, George Kittle is asked to block so much that he sometimes gets left out of the passing attack, gets left out, therefore, of the fantasy box score because he's such a good blocker and he can help kind of make up for the fact that they don't have Trent Williams out there. Now, I don't know if he's really going to be just not involved for the next three to five more weeks. Now that Trent Williams has, a, you know, he had a four to six a week window. So now it's three to five week window with the high ankle sprain. I don't know if he's going to be like this level of not involved for all of those games, but it is a risk. Every week is going to be a risk. And if you're sitting there, you're like, look, I can't deal with the dud matchups. I can't fully blame you if you have a decent option to turn to who has maybe more of a floor. But rarely are you going to be in the position where that's going to be the case. And if George Kittle does go off, well, you're just frankly going to hate yourself that he had him on your bench. You're riding out Kyle Pitts. I think you had to ride out with George Kittle, but it was definitely a disappointing performance here. That does it for our primetime thumpers and bummers. Let's go ahead and hit the extra credit game notes for these matchups. If I can find the drop. I know, I know, I know. It's a crowded board here on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. All right, so let's get to the insights of the game. We'll start off with the Sunday night matchup, of course, Kansas City and Tampa Bay. The notes I have is that Patrick Mahomes gets back on track. And what's really nice about that is that he did against a good defense in Tampa Bay. The Buccaneers defense has been very, very good up until this point before the Chiefs dropped 41 points on him. So to have Patrick Mahomes, who have been struggling the past couple of weeks, seemingly get back on track from a fantasy perspective against a really good defense does give you a vote of confidence that you can, okay, This is not going to be like last year where you had like a four-game stretch where you seriously had a doubt about whether or not to start Patrick Holmes during that stretch. This isn't going to be that. They're going to find a way to get back and rolling again. You have to feel good about that moving forward. That's the good news. Sky Moore and Isaiah Pacheco both played more. They did. It looked like the game plan for the Chiefs heading into this week was that, hey, you know what? We want to get our rookies involved. And it worked out for the most part. I mean, look, Skyboard didn't do a ton. Pacheco is actually a little bit more impressive with his 11 carries in this game. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. 
But I do think this is a good start in the right direction, if nothing else, for Sky Moore. Because leading up to this point, he has barely been involved at all. And all I've been saying to you guys is hold, hold fast. If you can, if you're not desperate, try to hold fast. The reason being is that we know somebody has to emerge as the wide receivers, and none of those other guys are that good. Nicole Hardman, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, Juju Smith-Schuster, none of them are that good. Sky Moore has the most talented upside, but it does take a while to get going as a rookie wide receiver in Andy Reid's offense. Maybe we're starting to see the beginning of Sky Moore getting more playing time and what that could potentially lead to. So hold fast. I look at this as a positive development for Sky Moore. And then Isaiah Pacheco, on the other hand, look, this is still ultimately a three-man carousel, and he still played less than Jarek McKinnon did. But they definitely make an effort to make him part of the game plan this week, especially on the ground. Now, I might like him more in standard leagues than I do in half-point, full-point PPR, because he's not going to be involved in the pass game, especially as long as CEH and Jarek McKinnon are both healthy. It's just not going to happen. But there is some upside there, and you see the talent at times, too. And I wouldn't be surprised before long they start going to him more and more in the goal line situations. Just something to kind of keep your eyes out on. My last note was about Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So this was the most opportunities that he had gotten to this point in any given week. He had 19 carries in this game. Now, like I talked about in the receiving game, only two targets. The only thing he came down with was a two-yard touchdown reception, which was a great play by Mahomes, by the way, if you didn't, if you didn't see it. The 19 carries mostly comes in the second half when the Kansas City was up and they're trying to mellow out the game and they're up by a couple scores. And that's that's kind of what wound up happening and how he got up to 19 carries. That's not going to be a norm for Clyde Edwards Alaire. 19 carries is not going to be in the norm. In fact, that's like more than double his average per game basis so far this season. So that's not going to be the case. And I know that it kind of sounds a little bit like a broken record at this point, especially out of my mouth because I've been saying it for all four weeks now, to try to sell high out of Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And his price tag can never be higher. Like at this point, coming off of this matchup, I, I think it could be conceivable that you might be able to get a bona fide top 10 running back who's underperforming right now. Like, like for instance, maybe a Najee Harris. A Najee Harris would be an interesting guy to go after if you had Clyde Edwards-Alaire because you have Kenny Pickett now taking over the offense. It stands to reason that Pickett has to be better than Mr. Trubisky, right? I mean, it can't be much worse. And if that offense can just be a little bit better, they're going to want to lean on Najee Harris even more to try to take pressure off of Kenny Pickett. And if he's just a little bit better than Mr. Trubisky, well, then that could lead to more opportunity. So, like, trade like that, I think you could do that one for one right now. But that's what I mean. You have to get a guy who's going into the season was a top 10 bona fide guy who maybe is just not playing to expectations right now. Because I still don't trust the overall usage of Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I don't trust he's going to continue to find ways to score all these touchdowns. And that's been the biggest thing, boosting his fantasy value to this point to begin with. On the other side of the ball, we get to Tampa Bay. Brady gets his weapons back, and then he goes off. Here's what's interesting. And we'll talk about the running backs in a second. But they only ran the ball six total times. Rashad White, Leonard Fournette both only had three carries apiece in this game. Obviously, that's not going to be a normal thing moving forward. And Brady had 52 pass attempts, which, I mean, that's kind of in line with what we saw last year as far as like having that high number of pass attempts. 
I don't know if that necessarily goes away. Like, I think somewhere between 40 and 50, especially now that Mike Evans is back, Chris Godwin, who we'll talk about in a second, looks kind of healthy. Julio Jones was out there. Russell Gage was out there. Now that he has has all those weapons back, we might see the Buccaneers get more aggressive. Now, in this game, they kind of had to do it. That's why we have to wait to see it one more week before we can say, okay, that's the direction. They're definitely heading back towards that with Brian Leftwich calling the plays. But it was definitely a positive development. Yes, they had to come back from behind. Yes, they were consistently two scores down in this game. But with his weapons back, Brady can do things like this and might be re-entering the week, the top 10 quarterback conversation every single week from here on out. Now that everybody's back and healthy. I just I mentioned the running backs. Let's talk about that a little bit deeper. So, yeah, look at that. Leonard Fournette, three carries. Rashad White, three carries. Last week, Byron Leftwich mentioned that he had to get Rashad White or needed to get Rashad White more involved. That this is a weapon that they are excited about. And yes, they trust Leonard Fournette a lot. They love they love Leonard Fournette. He's not going to go anywhere. But they recognize Rashad White a little bit more explosive out of the backfield, does have a really good pass-catching skill set, something to kind of keep in mind. And Rashad White actually walked away with the rushing touchdown of the two, believe it or not. Leonard Fournette had negative three yards on his three carries. They couldn't do anything on the ground against Kansas City. But again, they only tried to run the ball six times. It's a little bit of a different story. The key, though, is this. So in the passing game, Leonard Fournette's still good because, well, he had seven catches and 57 yards and a touchdown, seven targets. But Rashad White wasn't that far behind. Five targets, five catches for 50 yards through the air. He played 37% of the snaps. So he had nearly a 60-40 split. Now, I do wonder if Leonard Fournette is still nursing that hamstring injury. Because, he look, he's never been an explosive guy, but he's looked really unexplosive so far this season. I do wonder how much that is hindering him and how much did that lead to Rashad White getting that kind of playing time in this game. But this is something that you want to keep your eye on to see if it's a trend that continues from here on out. Because if it is, Rashad White, especially in PPR leagues, might wind up with standalone value, let alone high-end handcuff value to Leonard Fournette. So something to kind of keep in mind that we're going to be watching heading into next week. My last note, Chris Godwin, baby, welcome back. He played the second most snaps out of all the Buccaneer wide receivers. He looked good. He got 10 targets. He had seven receptions. Didn't have the big stat line, but for him to play that much in his first action since week one, coming off the hamstring injury, and keep in mind, still kind of rehabbing the ACL too, it makes you feel pretty confident that, you know what, starting in week five from here on out, as long as he's healthy, we can go back and look at Chris Godwin as a top 20 wide receiver at the very least. So good news on that front. All right, now we're done with the Sunday night game. Let's talk about the Monday night action. So we'll start on the Rams side because there's not as much to really talk about on the Rams side. Stafford is a matchup dependent, low end QB1, high end QB2. And I question if we can really just assume that he's that on a week to week basis anyway. You can kind of call Stafford a streaming option. And I have no problem doing that because it's, it's, it's purely. Purely, if he's got a plus matchup against a team that maybe doesn't have the best pass rush in the world, I will consider Matthew Stafford a top 12 quarterback that particular week. But if they don't, I don't want to start him, which makes him a streaming guy. Makes him just the same kind of guy that you get off the waiver wire. 
That's what Matthew Stafford is right now. It's unfortunate, but that's kind of how you have to look at this thing moving forward. The running back usage, look, wasn't great. Neither one did much. But it was kind of what we would expect from this type of game script. And we kept bringing up the last couple of weeks that, look, Darrell Henderson was getting utilized more in, you know, third down and distance passing situations, two-minute drill, things of that nature. It's just the last two weeks, Cam Akers was working ahead because, well, they were ahead. And when they're ahead or neutral game scripts, Cam Akers gets more carries. And he had his best game of the week last week. This week, yeah, not so much. There wasn't a lot going on. So I think at least with the running backs usage, we know what to expect and how these guys will get utilized depending upon that fact. But with that offensive line being so bad, if, if they face any kind of resistance, ugh, they reshuffled the offensive line with the Rams. We'll see if that pays out dividends at some point this season as they're able to build chemistry. But right now, it's hard to really like either one of these guys, at least not for upside. They have a floor. Again, you have the game script. But still, just nothing more than RB3s at the end of the day. And Henderson really more of an RB4. Because more games than not, I do believe the Rams will be in neutral game strips or be ahead for the most part. But even when they're not, like today, like Henderson's still limited because Stafford doesn't check the ball down that much. He used to in Detroit. He really hasn't since becoming a Los Angeles Ram. And that's kind of remained true throughout this, this season as well. My last note is that Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby, they just continue to dominate. Allen Robinson is just there to collect a paycheck and be on the field and do nothing else besides that. It's so clearly cut. Cooper Cup had 19 targets. Tyler Higby had 14. Already has been the second most targeted receiver of that team. Most targeted tight end in the league. And he gets another 14 targets against San Francisco 49ers, a team that usually you're not trying to attack with your tight end. That's just where we are right now with the Rams offense. And that's why I talked about Allen Robinson being a drop. And the only two guys you want really on this offense on a week-in, week-out basis is Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby in your lineups. On the San Francisco side of the ball, Jeff Wilson was solid. 18 carries. That seems to be the the running number for the starting quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, which is a great number compared to the rest of the league. 74 yards, had a really nice 32-yard touchdown run early on that game and just gives you a solid RB2 day. Actually, probably closer to a low-end RB1 after this week, but that was great out of Jeff Wilson. That's exactly what you need. That's exactly what you hope for. The more interesting note is Debo. Debo only had two carries in this game. Kind of reverted back to being more of a wide receiver first than a versatile need to get just as many war- snaps in the backfield as I do as a wide receiver. As a result, now the one play that really made his fantasy day was a big play that he just made happen because he just he's good in the open field. But it was the biggest fantasy game of his season so far and I don't think that's a coincidence when you look at the fact that they didn't try to use him as a running back they played him as a receiver first and foremost and then that's what you get I think Debo his ceiling is most realized when they use him more as a wide receiver I know it's kind of nice having him out on the backfield because when he's used that way 
he's got a good floor. Like he can't really dodge you out no matter what happens if he gets utilized in both the rushing and the passing. But it does take away how many times his ceiling can be realized to have games like this. So I think if you have Debo Samuel, at least I know I would, I would rather see performances like this where he's less used in the backfield, more used as a wide receiver, which, by the way, was a big reason why it led to IU kind of being, you know, left over after that. And then George Kittle, two catches, 24 yards on four targets. We talked about that heading into the week. Unfortunately, I think you got to play them. But you're not feeling it. It feels very Kyle Pittsish, where it's like, I know you have the talent. I know I have to play you because you're a tight end who has talent, which is something that's hard to find to begin with. But you don't get utilized like some of the lesser guys behind you get utilized, and it makes it a fantasy conundrum, unfortunately. But that's just where we are right now with that team. That does it for the primetime recap. We'll take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got our heroes and zeros, the right, wrong calls of the week. And we'll cap this show off with our waiver saviors heading into week five. So everybody stay tuned. The MD's fantasy football show will be back right after this. Football is back, baby. And our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt the couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find the perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six-packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Oh yeah, welcome back into the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thank you for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe so you can get all of our content. Check us out also live on BillyUp.TV. Download us on demand when you download the Foxy Network app and look for the Billy Up Sports TV category. When you download it on LG, Samsung, Roku, and Amazon Fire. Or just stay up to date with the show while you're on the go. And download us on your favorite podcast app. Please don't forget to give us a five-star review to help us out. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We talked about our primetime recap show. 
And now it's time to talk about our heroes and zeros, or my heroes and zeros, from week four. Dan's heroes and zeros. Okay, we'll talk about our top two zeros, wrong calls, our top two hero calls, right calls, as we go through this segment. Quarterback heroes. Tom Brady, baby. Look, I told you guys, don't play Tom Brady week three and week four. Or, I'm sorry, week two and week three. Told you guys, don't do it. The weapons aren't back yet. He had a couple tough matchups. They were going to lean on their defense and let her friend out the windows games. That's exactly what they did. This week, I was like, look, it's against Kansas City. Could be a high-scoring game. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Mike Evans is back. Russell Gage, I knew, is back. Julio Jones, I was pretty sure he was going to be back. The one of the surprises was Chris Godwin. Not only was I surprised that he actually did wind up being active, I was very shocked that he played the, Im- the amount that he did. But it led to Tom Brady being able to go full throttle again and look similar to what we saw last season. It should give you great confidence moving forward, knowing that, okay, if he has his weapons, Brady can still be Brady for your fantasy football teams. I had him as my top eight quarterback. He finished even higher and finished inside the top four. Let's go to my one of my zero calls here. Quarterback zeros. All right, my number one zero is Marcus Mariota. Finishes a QB 31. I had him as a top 15 play. Brutal. Did not expect him to only throw the ball 19 times. Certainly didn't expect him to only have seven completions in the game. And to top it all off, his incredibly terrible passing day didn't come complimentary with rushing yards. Something, by the way, has kind of fallen off since week one with him. And one of the reasons why I've had him as a streaming option. He's supposed to have a rushing floor. And that has kind of disappeared over the last few weeks. Now, maybe without Cordell Patterson, we'll see it a little bit more. I don't know. But the whole Marcus Mariota safe floor kind of streaming option, ugh, that was brutal. That, that was really bad by me. Quarterback heroes. My number two hero at the quarterback position was Russell Wilson. Look, he did it fantasy-wise. It still wasn't great through the air. Only 237 yards. But he gets the two touchdowns, and he gets the rushing touchdown. Made him a top-five fantasy football quarterback for the week. And I actually had him as a top-ten. I said, going to, going this week, I was like, look, it's, it's, make, it's make it or break it. 
It's do or die. I had him at QB 10. I was like, if you don't put on a QB 1 performance against the Raiders, I can't trust you to be inside my top 12 until further notice. But I was telling everybody, if you had Russell Wilson, to take that chance because of the matchup. You did. You were rewarded for it. Again, it still wasn't pretty. And I don't know if I left this game with a ton of confidence moving forward. But for this week, it at least was the right call. Quarterback zeros. So Kirk Cousins, he wasn't terrible. I don't want to make this sound like he was garbage. But I did have him. Another guy had as a top 15, top 16 play. He finishes as QB 22-23 on the week. So not what you want out of a guy that I did suggest could be a streaming option. I didn't love the matchup, and that's why I wasn't too overly high on Kirk Cousins. But I did think, being that I was in London, I knew knew Justin Jefferson was going to get going in this game. I thought that could also lead to Kirk Cousins having a potentially top 12 day. So that's why I had him as a guy that I was recommending as a stream. I apologize for that because, again, Kirk Cousins just being mediocre with this new offense, I expected a little bit more, and we're just not getting it. Let's move to our running backs. Running back heroes. What's up, Jamal Williams? He finishes a top 10 running back. I ranked him as an RB1. I said, look, guys, you got to play him over guys you normally wouldn't. I said, you got to play him over Najee Harris. You got to play him over guys like that. You could not be out of your lineups, period. And he came through in a big way with a huge performance, one of our thumpers of the week. And Jamal Williams will continue to be that way as long as DeAndre Swift is out. And I do believe DeAndre Swift will be out for at least one more week before they hit their bye in week six. Running back zeros. Damian Pierce. So I was five. I still had him as a top 24 running back. So I still had him as a starter. So I wasn't super wrong on this, but I was still five spots lower than the ECR. So I was on the lower end of that totem pole. I feel bad about that. Throwing a little shade on it. I thought this could be a Rex Burkhead week. So I thought they had to come back from behind. And in some ways I was right because Rex Burkhead was still very much involved in the passing game when they did have to come back from behind in the second half. I just didn't anticipate Damian Pierce having a 75-yard run for a touchdown. I also just anticipate, while he didn't do much with it, Damian Pierce getting six targets. Now, all of a sudden, we have to look out for that, too. So that was my bad by me by being lower than the ECR. Still had him as a guy that was playing as a top 24. Still had him as an RB2, but I do have to recognize that I was not quite as high as most this week, and I was wrong. Running back heroes. J.K. Dobbins. So this was different. So kind of like I was I was a little too low, apparently, on Damian Pierce. I was high enough on J.K. Dobbins. I was 10 spots higher. I actually had him as a top 30 play at RB29 for half-point PPR heading into the week. And I kept saying, I was like, look, He looked pretty good, played a decent amount his very first game back and active. He's going to play more than that the following week. His playing time will increase, and Justice Hill winds up getting banged up. But before he even got the injury, J.K. Dobbins already had two touchdowns in the first quarter. 
And that's what Dobbins did. Look, he was never going to be the bell cow guy. He's not going to be a guy who gets 250 carries. It's not how the Ravens use the running backs. What made J.K. Dobbins great? He was efficient, and they utilized him in the red zone. He was constantly scored touchdowns. That's what he did here today. His playing time, again, will continue to increase. Yes, Gus Edwards could be on his way back. We have to wait and see. But even if he is, we know what the deal is already with that. And even if Dobbins is not 100%, Lamar Jackson's so effective right now on the ground, that gives you like an extra half yard to a yard per carry average right there because defenses just have to respect that Lamar's going to keep it himself. It opens up the red zone. So J.K. Dobbins, I had him as a, a top 30 running back last week, will creep closer to that top 24 mark and potentially be an RB2 before long. And that was a really great call that I had this week. Running back zeros. I knew it. I knew this one. I ignored everything that I was telling myself and told you guys that he still had to play James Robinson as an RB2 this week anyway. I knew the matchup was brutal against the Eagles because you can't run on them. I knew it was going to be a sloppy game. I knew Jacksonville was likely going to have to come back from behind at some point this game. And I thought to myself, it actually might be more of a Travis Etienne type of game script. And it was. He did play two more snaps. He didn't do much with the ball, but I wasn't wrong about that. And that was one of my concerns heading into the week. I was like, look, I have James Robinson out there. With the way he's played, my argument was it was going to be hard to bench him. You might not be able to make the argument to bench him. You might not have a better option to bench him because of what he's been able to do through the first three weeks of the season leading into week four. But I knew I knew there was a chance that we could see a floor game out of James Robinson. I still ranked him as such anyway. It's my bad, and I will listen to my gut more often when it comes to situations like that to make sure I'm not leading you guys astray. Wide receiver heroes. Thank you, Jerry Judy. I'm at wide receiver 33. I was a well higher than the ECR. The ECR didn't have Jerry Judy as a play. Didn't have him as a guy as a flex play. People were bailing on Judy, which it was insane to me. He had the he had a great week too, and then he was hurt. And I was like, because he was coming off of a shoulder sprain, which he was clearly not 100%, and wasn't playing all of his snaps, by the way, either. And Cortland Sutton had a good game. It was like it got held against Judy. Because like, oh, well, now, well, maybe it's just Sutton's the alpha and Judy's just kind of like a streaky afterthought. I'm like, the guy was banged up. He was hurt. They forced him out there. He wasn't ready to go. He wasn't 100% healthy. So I told everybody, I was like, look, I mean, I don't have him as a must start in, in just two receiver leagues. But most leagues now, they have three receivers or at least they have a flex. And I have it wide receiver 33. I was like, play him. He's got just as good of a chance to score as Cortland Sutton. He's just as involved. Russell Wilson, no matter how bad he is, he gets two receivers involved. The Broncos' targets are just as consolidated as it was in Seattle. So, yeah, I told you guys to play Jerry Judy in your flex, and that paid off in a big, big way. Wide receiver zeros. Michael Pittman. So I was much higher than the ECR. So while everybody was wrong on Michael Pittman, I just want to take responsibility here because I was more wrong. I had him as a top five guy against Houston. Now, I don't feel too bad about that because it's Michael Pittman against Houston. But when I'm telling you, you know, make your rosters 
adjust your rosters as such with the idea that you're going to get a top five performance out of a particular guy and then he kind of busts out in a bad way. I feel a little bit bad about that because maybe you didn't take a shot or a risk in other areas that you probably should have if we knew that he's going to get this kind of performance or if I was just in line with the rest of the ECR because I was five spots higher. So I was calling my shot that Michael Pittman was going to have a top five week and that just it didn't come to fruition. So I do want to make more sure I'm held accountable for that one. Wide receiver heroes. I was higher than the ECR on this one. I had Romeo Dobbs inside my top 36. I had a wide receiver 35. I was pushing people to play him as a wide receiver three. And what I like to see is that he had a good fantasy performance and really could have had a great fantasy performance had he been able to hold on to the ball through the catch as he fell down in the red zone, which would have been his second touchdown. And I believe from where he caught the ball would have put him close to 100 yards as well. He could have had a huge day, but he was still left with a good fantasy day, even though Alan Lazard got had his targets go up and went over 100 yards receiving. So they were both able to eat. If this is a theme moving forward, first of all, if you own Aaron Rodgers, this is what you want to see. Like, okay, if you get some comfortability with Romeo Dobbs and Alan Lazard can have these kind of performances, well, then the day might be coming where Aaron Rodgers' fantasy value gets back up to snuff too. So you feel good about that. But Romeo Dobbs is somebody I'm, you have to play him every single week right now as a wide receiver three with upside in that offense. Wide receiver zeros. I called Gabe Davis a lock in wide receiver two. Now, that's my fault. I did not pay attention enough to the weather but I ignored the fact that he was coming off of his you know, aggravated ankle injury and just looked at the match against the Baltimore Ravens and went, look, the perimeter receivers are crushing them. I called him a lock them in top 20 wide receiver that had to be in your lineup, and he dudded out for the second week in a row. I'm not coming off of Gabe Davis. He should still be in your lineups. But the injury... Maybe he's taking away some of his explosiveness right now. It's not taking away his playing time. He still played the most out of all the Buffalo Bill wide receivers last week. So it's not taking away from it from that standpoint. So that's the good news. But he's got to get back involved into this offense and we have to get his explosion back if he can get healthy. But that was a really bad call by me. Tight end heroes. I ranked TJ Hawkinson coming into this week as the tight end, as, as the tight end five. So I was the top five guys that you had to play him, play him like he's a stud. Don't fear. I know it hadn't been rough for the first few weeks of the season, but one thing that stood out to me is that he was still getting targets available to him. Just they weren't able to capitalize on them. They weren't always the best targets. And he wasn't going to get more than six or seven targets when you have St. Brown healthy and all the other and DeAndre Swift healthy and all those guys. But I'm looking at this game, and I was like, look, someone's got to get targeted. Josh Reynolds, of course, he'll get his. But somebody else is also going to have to get involved, and that somebody should be TJ Hawkinson. Was I anticipating a huge game like he had? No, of course not. But I knew he was going to get work. I knew he was going to be involved, and he came through in a big, big way. Tight end zeros. I should have paid more attention to the talk about Taysom Hill getting more utilized. And I should have made him a streaming option at the tight end position. And I'm starting to come around on that now. 
look, Taysom Hill is a guy that I don't love his usage, but if Alvin Kamara is going to be out of games and Jameis Winston is going to be out of games and we're hearing about them firing up Taysom Hill to get more utilized in his special packages to help this offense out, he's not much different than a lot of the other streaming tight ends because what are you looking for? You're hoping to get in the end zone. That's kind of the same thing you're hoping for for Taysom Hill, and he might do it in different ways. So I do think that's a bad call by me by not recognizing that and at least making him a streaming option. Tight end heroes. Yeah, Pat Freemuth, I nailed it. Top 10 tight end, came in at number 10 right off the bat. And what I love even more is that Kenny Pickett comes in and it does not matter. Pat Freemuth is able to produce. Love that call. We'll continue to rank him as such. And I just nailed that ranking this week. Tight end zeros. Kyle Pitts. I mean, me and everybody else, right? But I put him right back into the top four after one week of solid production. Not great production, just solid production. And I moved him right back into that top notch spot. And I probably should not have done that against the Cleveland Browns. But Kyle Pitts is just like, he's just a landmine to own right now. It's the same thing as George Kelly. We talk about it all night. Too good to bench. You know they got the ability to be league winners. Maybe you can trade them. That is a possibility because they still have that name value, but you're probably not going to get what you wanted for them. Probably not going to get what you spent on them during the draft. So that kind of was what puts you in a really hard situation. And once again, just another bad call as he just continues to bust the dud out completely. That does it for the heroes and zeros though. So let's kick this thing over to the waiver saviors. Waiver saviors. All right, we're going to take this rapid fire, but do it how we always do it. So I got quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. I think the, the 50 or less percentage owned players on average throughout the major platforms, NFL, Yahoo, ESPN, CBS, take those and I put them into a nice little list for you guys. So first up at the quarterback position, I only got two this week. And one is Jared Goff. I'm surprised he's still less than 50% owned. But if you're like, look, it's Jared Goff. I don't necessarily want to buy into it. I can understand. But after this past week, and I don't expect what happened this past week to happen all the time, obviously. But the fact that he's able to put up that kind of performance without St. Brown, without DeAndre Swift, there's just a real comfortability right now with Jared Goff within this offense. He's somebody that you've been streaming quarterbacks anyway. He probably needs to get picked up. The other quarterback I have is Ryan Tannehill. This is more of a, you know, deeper, maybe more of a QB2 type of sleeper guy to pick up on. He's got a nice matchup coming up against the Washington Commanders. He's been better over the past couple of weeks as they've gotten their offense and Derrick Henry in particular going. He's always a threat to run one in as a result of that because of the RPO action they do at the goal line. So Ryan Tannehill at 15% owned. If you're just putzing around, you're like, oh, I don't know what to play and what to get could be a guy with a solid floor heading into this week. Now about the running backs. How in the hell is Alexander Madison still less than 50% owed? 47%. I had questions all throughout the week about people like, okay, well, Dalvin Cook's going to get cleared. So what what should I drop Alexander Madison for? And I'm sitting there scratching my head. I'm like, if you have Dalvin Cook and you already have Alexander Madison on the roster, Why are we contemplating dropping Madison at all? 
Does last week not show you that any one given hit to a guy like a Dalvin Cook could knock him out? Has Madison not showed you enough that he is a guy that when Cook is out, he can be an RB1? Look, Madison not only should be owned by all Dalvin Cook owners, but if he's not and he's available in your league and you got an extra roster spot, that's a golden ticket player right there. He should be owned well over 50% of leagues. The next guy, J.D. McKissick, he's 42% owned. Again, PPR league, but he is getting that usage. And even when Brian Robinson returns, the one running back that I don't think gets affected is J.D. McKissick in his role. That's not going to go anywhere with the return of Brian Robinson. So I do like him in full-point PPR leagues as an emergency flex still. Speaking of Brian Robinson, though, 37% owned. So if he's out there, go ahead and grab him. They're already talking about he's practicing this week. I think he's probably going to get activated this week. We'll bring that up to Brian here on Wednesday and Thursday. But I think there's a real chance we're going to see Brian Robinson make his debut. And because Antonio Gibson has not been good since really since week one, we're going to start to see Brian Robinson eat into that usage. And I think it might be sooner rather than later before he is actually the starter or at least has a chance to become one. So Brian Robinson, definitely somebody who needs to be picked up right now if he's available in your league. Mark Ingram. So I was ready to move on for Mark Ingram and be like, all right, great. Now we have Latavius Murray and just say, okay, so the Saints don't have a handcuff. But then apparently the Saints did not sign Latavius Murray permanently off the practice squad. So even though he had a nice game with them in London on yesterday, was left on the practice squad and in Denver because of the unfortunate news about Javante Williams, they sign him, they pick him up, and now Latavius Murray is a Denver Bronco which means we're back to Mark Ingram and the waste of space that is Tony Jones Jr. making Mark Ingram a one-for-one handcuff with Alan Kamara. Now, he did get banged up in that game. He was able to play through it. I'll be interested to see exactly what he looks like in practice this week. But if Alan Kamara misses again, you can look to Mark Ingram, albeit at a very low-end type of handcuff, but at least good enough with his usage to be a spot starter if he just needs somebody to hold down the fort because you have nobody else. So that is, I just kind of wanted to throw it out because I just thought it was interesting more so than anything else that Latavius Murray gets signed by the Denver Broncos and removes that variable from the Saints backfield equation. The other guys we have is Tyler Algier. So Cordell Patterson, he goes on the IR. He's going to be on the IR for the next four weeks at least. It sounds like it's going to be four weeks, though. They seem pretty optimistic he'll be coming back as soon as he's eligible. Still don't know at this point exactly what the nature of the knee injury is other than he had an operation and he's got to go on the short-term IR for it. But Algier, 17% owned, does become the lead rusher. Caleb Huntley, they did sign him off the 53, onto the 53-man roster, I should say, off the practice squad. He operated as the pass-catching back, quote-unquote, because no running back in Atlanta has really been that involved in the passing work anyway. But he was in, in on those situations, and he did split quite a bit of carries with Tyler Algier. That's the annoying part here is that it looks like no matter what happens, Arthur Smith is just going to find another running back to make sure he's at least doing this by committee approach. But Tyler Algier should lead the way. He'll have the best chance for touchdowns. I probably like him more in standard leagues. But coming from college at BYU, he was a good pass protector. It's not like he can't be involved in the passing down. So I'm curious to see how this thing plays out because we know Caleb Huntley's just a guy. So we'll see exactly what happens. But Tyler Algiers definitely be picked up in leagues. Isaiah Pacheco, he's 10% owned. 
kind of pointed out with Sky Moore, Pacheco got utilized more, was more part of the game plan heading into that game, and was efficient against a really good run defense in Tampa Bay. I wouldn't be surprised if it's sooner rather than later we're starting to see a two-man committee instead of a three-man committee where it's a Pacheco and CEH rather than all three guys, including McKinnon. Moving on, Rashad White. Rashad White should definitely be a high priority, not just for a Leonard Fournette owner, and he should be available because he's only 11% owned, but also if they utilize, if they stick with the trend that we saw from last week, and I don't know for sure they will yet. We got to wait and see, but if they were to, Rashad White, especially in half-point, full-point PPR leagues, starts to have his own flex standalone value as well. We know what his skill set is. So high-end handcuff with high potential, especially if Leonard Fournette misses games, but also on his way potentially to having standalone value in his own right. And then Gus Edwards, he comes in at 4% owned. I like it more in standard leagues. I don't know if I'd bother in half-point, full-point PPR leagues. But he, we know he's going to be involved once he's back out there on the field, and he is eligible to return. Philip Lindsay is a speculative ad for a Jonathan Taylor owner, just in case Taylor does get ruled out on Thursday. It will be Philip Lindsay and Naeem Hines mostly sharing the work in that backfield. Still don't love it. Definitely don't love the upside, but it could be a plug-and-play if you don't feel like you're going to have a better option heading into Sunday. But ultimately, if you're a Jonathan Taylor owner, you're just breathing a big sigh of relief whether he's active or not on Thursday. The fact that they're already talking about it and he didn't wind up getting as injured as we thought he did. And then Mike Boone. So Mike Boone's available everywhere too. Just like 0.1% owned, I believe it was for him. Melvin Gordon, I believe, is going to be the bell cow. There's been some people who have been trying to put it out there that, well, Mike Boone's been getting involved in the passing game and maybe Nathaniel Hackett just makes this a 50-50 committee. That ain't going to happen. Mike Boone's just a guy. He'll be involved. He will spell Melvin Gordon. But I think ultimately Gordon's going to be a three down back in this team moving forward. But that does make Mike Boone the handcuff. Now, I'm not sure how Latavius Murray fits into this equation. I feel like that's more depth than anything else. Because while Murray, yes, was effective, look, let's face it. At this point, the guy's kind of toast my goats. So I don't know how much I'm buying into that. Mike Boone would be the handcuff for me right now for a player like Melvin Gordon, who already is banged up and has a tendency to do, be banged up. Let's dive into the wide receiver. So Michael Gallup, he's only 46% owned right now, gets a touchdown in his debut. And another guy where, like, look, his, his playing time is going to increase with each week. Dak Prescott may only be a week or two away from coming back. We'll have to see how that whole thing plays out. But if Dak Prescott's back sooner rather than later, Michael Gallup is a wide receiver four with upside, could be back into that wide receiver three category before too long. How in the hell, once again, is Romeo Dobbs, similar like Alexander Madison, how is he less than 50% on, on average? How is he sitting at 46% right now? How is that possible? It shouldn't be possible. Romeo Dobbs needs to be owned. He has the upside of being the number one receiver for the Green Bay Packers. And if nothing else, his last pass week should have shown you is that it's Lazard and now Dobbs, head and shoulders, those two guys. Watson was back in the lineup, was hardly used. Randall Cobb just a guy. The Packers are starting to shake out what the receiver rotation is going to be. Dobbs, very much a part of that. Josh Palmer, he's only 40% owned. So he does lose a lot of value once Keenan Allen does return. But because Keenan Allen had a re-aggravation 
clearly of the hamstring injury last Thursday. We got to see exactly when that's going to be. It may not be week five. And I continue to say, if Keenan Allen misses, I'm fine with starting Josh Palmer almost as a wide receiver handcuff in those situations. I know this past week it was brutal. Only one catch, 25 yards. But remember the week before, Mike Williams was brutal. Josh Palmer was the guy who got to eat. He's playing all the time. He's out there. When Keenan Allen's out, he is the second receiver. He runs more of his patterns, more of his routes. He's utilized in the red zone. Josh Palmer's a guy you could pick up. If you don't have him, I would be shocked if Keenan Allen suddenly came back this week after re-aggravating on Thursday of last week. His next guy, George Pickens. And really, I should lump George Pickens and Sky Moore, my two guys. And I really should lump them kind of into the same conversation because these are guys that you drafted with high hopes and like, yeah, I know there's an upside. I know it might not happen right away, but let's wait and see. And then players, fantasy football owners, they lose patience all the time. Guys get dropped. That's why George Pickens is only 37% owned. And now we got the confirmation that Kenny Pickett is going to be the starting quarterback the rest of the way. And what happened? And I was talking about it already before it, before we even got to that point. I said, look, if Pickett takes over, then I will be interested in Pickens because he'll, he'll overtake Claypool. There was already a rapport between Pickett and Pickens in training camp. They got to play on, remember, they got to play on second team quite a bit. So that's what I'm looking at. I don't know what it means for Deontay yet. I'm, Chase Claypool is an afterthought. But for George Pickens, it could mean him starting to be the big play threat for this offense moving forward. Definitely somebody to own. In Skymore's case, he's still just a stash. So you pick him up if you can stash him, but I would try to find a way to do so. Playing time starting to increase. I think that will only go up from here. I think it'll be not too long now before Sky Moore is letting it up in your fantasy football teams. Isaiah McKenzie available, 20% only owned. Jameis Crowder breaks his foot, breaks his ankle. I know McKenzie right now is in the concussion protocol, but now when he gets back, if it's week five or week six, whatever the case may be, He's going to be the lead slot guy. Now, like I said, that was the one thing kind of holding me back for McKenzie over the past couple of weeks is that James Crowder is still playing a significant amount and a significant amount in the slot where you kind of question could the usage be sustained. Now that he's out of the picture, there's no doubt Isaiah McKenzie is that slot receiver for this team with Crowder gone, making him a very valuable asset, especially a guy who's widely available. Devin DuVernay, also only 20% owned. Now, Rashad Bateman's listed as day-to-day, calling it a midfoot injury. I don't know if they're calling it a sprain. They're not saying the words plantar fasciitis, which is good. But I'd be a little bit surprised, given that he had to leave on crutches and everything else, that he'd be good to go for week five. So Devin DuVernay, if Rashad Bateman is not out there, becomes an interesting play because he's already been kind of making plays anyway. And now you add in the fact that he might get a little extra volume on top of it. We're talking about a guy who could very well be a flex play for you with upside. Corey Davis is only 7% owned. So I made the point last week of saying, look, Zach Wilson, the one thing he did do that was similar to Joe Flacco while he didn't have the same volume was that he distributed the ball almost evenly between Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, Tyler Conklin, all those guys. Corey Davis, the one coming with the touchdown. Corey Davis should not be a 7% owned. I know he doesn't have the sexiness of an Elijah Moore or a Garrett Wilson, but he is out there all the time. 
he Zach Wilson does like him. We don't have a big sample size, but he's had a safe floor when it comes to Corey Davis. He's somebody who should at least be on. I'm not saying you pick him up and play him right away, but he should at least be on to see how this whole thing continues to shake out moving forward. And last but not least, in the wide receivers, a little you know, a little a little uh, sugar for you here, a little stash play for you here. I know that we should be staying away from giant wide receivers because they've all been terrible. No matter you know, like, oh, you got the opportunities, at least you should, and still do nothing with it, or even get the opportunities. Here's my thing: somebody has to do something in that receiving core at some point. And I know the coaching staff are not fans of Kadarius Tony. When Wanda Robinson returns from his knee, and I know we never really got an actual explanation as exactly what's wrong with the knee, other than it's not season ending. Whenever Wandell Robinson does return, there's a real chance that they're going to give him that crack at that slot position and just kind of feature him out of, if nothing else, out of necessity. So Wandell Robinson is somebody who can definitely be a speculative ad on your teams right now. Let's wrap this show up with our tight end waiver saviors. Tyler Conklin, 38% owned. Again, yes, Zach Wilson, he spread out the ball, and I think he'll continue to do that for the most part. But Conklin's still very much involved in the offense. It's still out there running routes when you want him to. Utilized as a weapon. I think he's still a guy that you could pick up as a low-end tight end one, high-end tight end two, who can kind of play based on matchup. Logan Thomas, I'm just gonna I'm gonna beat the drum for Logan Thomas every single week. He's only 31% owned. I'm gonna say the same thing over and over again until he goes over the 50% mark. If you want a tight end, you've been streaming that has the opportunity to be a top 12 guy by the end of the year. That is Logan Thomas. I know this past week, not a very impressive stat line with the 18 yards, but still six targets, five receptions. The six targets ties the season high so far. He's still rehabbing back from a really complicated knee injury. Remember, it wasn't just the ACL in Logan Thomas's case. So keep that in mind, too, as he gets stronger and healthier as this season wears on. And now, especially for this week, Jahan Dotson out of the picture because of a hamstring injury. We might see Logan Thomas get his touchdown this year. And last but not least, I did throw Taysom Hill in here. It's a definitely, to me, an emergency. I can't find any tight end who's worth anything play. It's only if Kamara's out, and I keep talking, and the, the Saints you know, team is talking about Taysom Hill getting his special packages in. Again, it's a dart throw, but it's like the last dart throw I would take at the tight end position. So I figured I would at least mention him after being too low on him last week and not paying attention to that usage. That does it for the show, guys. I hope you all enjoyed it. Remember, we'll be back. Wednesday and Thursday and Friday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Tomorrow is the look ahead Wednesday, the first half preview of week five. Make sure you catch us then. We'll be previewing eight games in that episode on our YouTube channel, on bellyup.tv, and on your favorite podcast app. I will see you guys tomorrow night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.